Good morning. How are we doing today? Thank you for being here to the 8.30 service. Uh, yes, it's our military service, right? Everybody in the military shows up at 8.30. Everybody else comes later on, right? Um, no. We're glad you're here. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for being a part of this crew that shows up early. Uh, man, our, our staff really is excited about what God's doing here. And this gives us an opportunity, as you can see, to open up more seats. Um, if you've been here before, you know that parking's an issue and our kids' classes are issues. Uh, space in here can be an issue. And this allows more and more people to come and hear the good news of Jesus. So we're excited about this new phase in the life of our church, and we're glad you're here. If this is your first time here, thanks for being a part of the journey today. Uh, I reiterate everything that, that Gary just said. The other thing we'd invite you to do is try us out five weeks. Uh, it gives you a pretty good idea of whether we're a fit for your spiritual journey right now. Um, and at the end of that five weeks, let me know, man. I'd love to get connected, or man, I'm looking for another church that this doesn't quite fit. That, that would be great. We'd love to get you connected somewhere if it's not here, but we invite you to try us out for five weeks. But we're glad you're here this morning. Downstairs is kind of nice and quiet. If you've got kids, it's kind of like, oh, this is, this is good. Hey, they say that there are two things that we can count on in life, and those are death and taxes. Exactly right. Sometimes in that order, too, depending. <clears throat> but, but here's what I, I want to add to this. I want to add a third thing that we can count on in life. Death, taxes, and stress. Stress. In fact, in this room right now, we are a part of the most stressed out generation in all of history, right here in this room. Those kids who are downstairs, they will take over that crown when they get to be our age, and they will actually become the most stressed out generation in history. My, my guess is that as generations come and go, we're going to find that that's going to be the case, that each generation is going to become more stressed out than the generation before. Let me share with you some statistics this morning about stress, because stress is a big issue, right? Because so many of us struggle with stress. 55% of Americans say they experience stress on a regular basis. There's only one other country that's in the same stratosphere in terms of percentage of stress with us, and it's Greece, okay? So there's the United States and there's Greece. 55% of Americans say they experience stress regularly. If you're between the ages of 30 and 49, which is me, I'm in there too. 64% um, of us are stressed out, the highest of any age group, any bracket that's there. 33% of all people visited the doctor last year because of stress-related illnesses. 83% of U.S. workers suffer from work stress. 54% of U.S. workers say that their stress at work affects their home life. We are a stressed-out group of people. Which kind of makes sense, right? We have jobs that we're stressed out about and relationships that we're stressed out about. And there's finances that, that stress us out. I mean, the D.C. traffic stresses us out. There's so much in life that stresses us out. And so one of the things that we try to figure out and we wonder is, how do I, I de-stress my life? Well, today we're continuing this series called Life Hacks, and we're talking about how do we hack these certain areas in life. Uh, if you were not here last week when we defined what a life hack is, a life hack is a simple or clever tip or technique for accomplishing familiar tasks. And today we're going to talk about hacking stress. Not how to get rid of stress, because here's the deal, we can't get rid of it. We will always have some stress in our life, but we can begin to de-stress from certain areas of our lives. And so I'm hoping that as we go through the next few moments, we can get to that place of, of understanding what it looks like to de-stress a little bit from what we experience every single day. 
Last week as we started, we talked about hacking time. We, we had a, a little thing up here on stage and a little visual and had containers and we put these pebbles in the containers. And I said, for so many of us, our life looks like this one container where we put all these pebbles in there and then we put our priorities on top and we don't have time for the things that we say are most important to us. And so we, we look at our schedules and, and we talk to people and people say, hey, how are you doing? Our answer every single time is, I'm just busy. I've got so much going on. There's so much of life happening. I don't, I don't have time to interact or do these other things. I, I know I have these priorities, but I don't have time to do that. And, and so last week we talked about making sure that we set our priorities and, and focused on those first and all those other things in life that we think are important or we, we want to do. Man, we can start to, to pour those on top and we, then we find we do actually have time to do everything that we want to do. But we're talking about hacking time. How much of our stress actually comes from the busyness in our lives so much of it does because as we said last week what we like to do is we like to open up time in our schedule and instead of breathing (laughs) instead of being okay with open time and empty space we just shove more stuff into it and so when we are busy all the time that busyness definitely leads us to stress we want to be successful, we want to get ahead, maybe we just got to pay the bills, and so we, we fill our time with all these different aspects of life, and when we do that, we become incredibly stressed. And so we live the stressful life, but, but here's the funny part, we actually train ourselves to be stressed out. We train ourselves to be stressed out. Now, there's our, our normal stresses, the work week, uh, maybe some stresses with your kids or, or relationships, your marriage, your family, those sort of things. But there's also things in life that we add as stressors every single day. Think about what you watch on the news. Think about what you read about on social media and what people post. Think about the communication that we have with other people and what we talk about. Do you notice we, we tend to go a certain direction? We, we tend to read certain things? Because as we start to talk, as we start to look at these things, here, here's what we find out. We, we read and we hear about violence and political fighting and earthquakes and climate change and tsunamis and missiles being launched and wars and governments failing and school shootings and murder. And so what begins to flood our minds, Right? We have the normal stuff that stresses us out, but then we have the world around us, and it begins to stress us out too. Scientists call this unintentional negative programming. We have become used to the negativity around us. In fact, here's what we do. We've become so used to it, we start to seek it out. We start to search for it. We start to focus on it. And so 77% of our thoughts any given day are negative. 77% of our thoughts in any given day are negative. So what have we done? We have trained ourselves to be negative, which I think means we have trained ourselves to put even more stress on ourselves than is really warranted or needed. Unintentional negative programming. So is it any wonder that you and I continually are stressed in our lives? We've got the stress of normal day and normal life, and then we add the stress of what's happening in the world around us. And so we're just like this one big ball of stress. But what is stress, though? How do we get to this place? Let me define stress for us this morning. Stress is this internal response to external circumstances. 
But what this means is that things happen to us, things happen around us, and then we internalize that, and then we express that, we respond to those external circumstances in our life. And we all react differently, and the funny part is we kind of learn from these external circumstances, and so over time, sometimes we can learn how to deal with these stressors in a better way. For example, if you've got more than one kid, you, you may have experienced this before, um, you have a party at your house, and you invite people over, and let's say you have your first kid, right? It's the first kid, and you don't have any other kids, and uh, somebody at your party's like, do you know your son's over there eating the dog food? Now, when it's your first kid, you freak out, Right? You're like, call poison control, get the kid, we're going to take him to the ER. And so you throw him in the car and you're driving as fast as you can to the ER and you get there like, here's what the kid did, you know, we need to do an MRI, a CAT scan, we need to pump their stomach, we need to do all this stuff. And what's the doctor like? Doctor's like, it's going to be okay. It's just dog food. But, But doctor, doctor. So we get all stressed out about it, right? External circumstances, this is our internal response that we have. Your third kid having a party, same people are there person's like, hey, you know your, your son over there, he's eating, he's eating dog food? And you're like, it's all good. <laughs> it's got protein. They need protein. It's going to be fine. Right? This is how we respond. Why? Because we've learned over time how to deal with these stressors in life. There's these external circumstances that we have, and you and I, we have this internal response to those circumstances. And we react differently based on those stressors in our life. The question for you and I are, what are those stressors? What are those external circumstances that you have in your life? When when I said stress a little bit earlier and I said we we struggle with stress, my guess is you've already begun to put a list in your mind. Maybe you even started writing it down there where you're sitting. But what are those stressors? What are those external circumstances in your life that bring about stress? You already know what they are. But we need to understand something about stress. Not, not only does it affect us, but guess what takes the brunt of that stress? Our relationships. When you and I are stressed out, when we carry the stress of normal day-to-day plus everything else we throw on top of that, our relationships suffer more than anything else. What does it look like when those relationships suffer? How how are our relationships affected by that? I want to share with you six, six ways our relationships are affected by stress. I'm just going to run through these really quickly. Here's the first first thing that's affected, intimacy. Intimacy is affected. It's impossible to be intimate with someone when you're stressed out all the time. When you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're too busy, when you don't have enough time, when you're worried about everything that's happened in the world, there's no intimacy that's going to take place between you and and your spouse. And so intimacy is a part of something that's affected by stress in our relationships. Here's the second thing, friendships. We really don't have friendships at this point. When there's stress in our relationships, we have events with people that we call friends. Right? Because it's like, oh man, we got the Johnsons on Friday night for an hour and a half. We're going to dinner with them. And so we put it into our calendar. And so it's not about actually hanging out with them and getting to know them and spend time with them. It's about, hey, we got an event in our calendar we've got to do and make sure we're there on time and we leave on time. And so our friendships become events. They're not really about people anymore. And so friendships are impacted by stress. Our capacity to love shrinks. We can't give or accept love when we are stressed out all the time. Again, we're we're too busy. There's too much going on. We're worn out. We're thinking too much. 
And so we can't live or can't give or accept love when we're stressed. Our capacity to love shrinks. Um, the, the next one is isolation. When we're stressed out, we isolate ourselves. Now, we could be around people all the time, but we've got too much to do. I've got to succeed. I've got to get to this place. I've got to make this goal. Plus, there's all this other stuff that's going on. And, and so we may be around people where we work, but we've, we've isolated ourselves. We've almost put a cocoon around ourselves. And, and so we're, we're away from everybody mentally. There's no connection there. And so there's isolation that takes place when stress is in our relationships. And then our relationship with God is different. In fact, we don't have time to spend with God. We don't have time to worship God. We don't have time to pray to God. We don't have time to, to read scripture. We don't have time to journal. We don't have time to do any of that anymore. Now, here's what we will do when we're stressed out. We'll pray to God, but it's always God help me out, right? God help me because I'm so stressed because of this. And it's cool because God kind of jumps in and does something for us. And we're like, oh, that's great. But then we go on and continue to be stressed. And then we go back to God when we're stressed out again. And this is kind of the, the pattern that we build into our lives. And so that relationship with God is messy, is affected when we are stressed. And then the last one is the church. When we have stressed, uh, stress in our life, the relationships and the connections we have here begin to falter. Because here's the way we look at it. We look at this as an hour of my week. I've got an hour. I'm going to spend an hour at church. I'm going to give you an hour, and I'm going to get in there right at 8.30, and then I'm going to leave right at 9.30, and everything's going to be fine. The rest of the time's mine. So we do that. We have no time, no capacity for friendships. We have no time to be discipled. We have no time to have our lives changed. Why? It's because for us, the church is just that hour that we spend, that we've thrown into our calendar. Because we've got so much more in our life that we have to do. And so stress affects the relationships that we have here. I'm sure there are many more that we could add to this list, but, but in the end, we need to understand that stress affects relationships more than any other part of our life. It affects our relationships more than anything else. And some of us in here, we know that. Our marriage ended because of stress. Our friendships are broken because of stress. We, we feel disconnected to God because of stress. Our life is tough because of stress. We understand the impact stress has on our relationships in our life. It affects us more than anything else. So how can we keep from that being the case? What can we do? Why don't we look at some scripture this morning out of 1 Peter chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. First Peter chapter 5. There are actually some Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. Uh, in fact, those Bibles are free. Um, if you need a Bible, if you know somebody who's looking for a Bible, please take it home. Nobody's going to tackle you if you have it under your arm as you leave today. Uh, we'd love for those to, to not be here because they're, they're going out into the world. Um, if you've got your Journey Church app, you can open it up. You can also follow along on your program and take notes, which some of you are probably already doing. But we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me kind of give you some background here. Peter's actually written by a guy named Peter, okay? It totally makes sense. Uh, Peter is one of the 12 apostles, one of the 12 disciples, one of Jesus' 12 followers. But he's also a part of Jesus' inner circle. Jesus has three guys that he hangs out with quite a bit, and it's Peter, James, and John. 
And so Peter writes this after Jesus has actually gone back into heaven. And he's, he's writing this. It's actually called a circular letter. He's writing this letter to uh, the, the Christians, right? And so they would write it. He would send it to this one church. And they would read it there and maybe make a copy of it. And then they send the original to a next church. And that's why he called it a circular letter. It would, it would go to all these different places. And so he's writing actually specifically to Christians in general. He's saying, hey, let me, let me tell you about your life and what's happening. Now, he writes this letter because he's really trying to encourage these followers of Christ. We look at our life and we think we're stressed out, right? Here's a group of people who were afraid because they were following Jesus that they were going to be ripped out of their homes, they were going to be arrested, they were going to be tortured, and they were going to be killed. That's stress. I don't think we really understand the concept of what stress really is like. They understood stress and they were experiencing this on a day-to-day basis. And so Peter writes this to encourage them. And in fact, his, his sort of his thesis is, hey, in the suffering, in the tough times, in the stress, here's what you need to do. Keep trusting in God. He writes these words in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting with verse 5. We're actually going to start in the middle of the verse. Um, verse numbers were added like in 1551, and this should have been a separation there between 5 and 6, but there's not. But anyway, so we call it 5, 5B. So here's what it says. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Uh, We talked about this verse actually back last year. We did a a marriage series called Heart Attack, and we used this verse to talk about marriage and the importance of humility in our marriage. But but what Peter's really writing about is all relationships here. And and as you see what he reads there, he says, all of you clothe yourself with humility. This word clothe means to wrap yourself up in humility. I mean, it's got to be a part of of every aspect of who you are. You and I, if we're followers of Christ, we are called to be humble. And yet, what is it that brings the busyness into our life? What is it that brings the stress that we experience every single day? Pride. Very rarely does humbleness take us to that place, does it? In fact, it should never take us to that place. But, but pride is the thing that you and I struggle with so much because pride is about me. Pride is about being focused on who I am. Pride drives us to success. Pride keeps our schedules busy. Pride leads us to broken relationships in our life. Pride says, I trust me more than I trust in God. And so here's Peter who's writing this, this, these words uh, about relationships and the importance of them. And the very first thing he says is, humble yourselves, clothe yourselves with humility. In fact, in verse 6, he begins by saying, humble yourself. Lower the view that you have of yourself. Don't put yourself ahead of everybody else because you're not better than everybody else. We're all the same. He says, humble yourself. Put yourself underneath other people. And begin to live your life full of humility and let your pride go. He continues on in verse 6. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I think as I was reading this this past week and was thinking about last week's message, we talked about Matthew chapter 6 and um, the sermon that Jesus has given, this incredible teachings that Jesus has given to these, these people there on this, this mountainside. And as he's doing that, we, we talked about chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And, and he says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and you do what God asks you to do, then God will take care of the needs that you have in your life. As I look through verse 6 here, I kind of think 
Peter's taken from that and is saying the exact same thing in these words. And instead of letting life take control, instead of letting pride be the thing that leads you, here's Peter says, hey, seek God first. Let, let God be the leader in your life. Humble yourself and then follow Jesus. Follow God. That he may lift you up in due time. But then Peter gives us an action here in verse 7. He says this. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now that word cast there, Peter would have been very familiar with. Peter was a fisherman. This is what he did by trade. Um, and so Peter understood this word cast. And so he's using a very specific word when it comes to casting all your anxiety on him. Talking about God here. Um, as a fisherman, you know, they would fish with nets. And so it wasn't like they took a big net and they'd get to the side of the boat and they'd just drop it. And like, well, I hope that works. That, that wasn't how that functioned, right? P- Peter understood that you, to catch fish, you actually had to cast the net. So you had this net and it was ready to go. And I, I'm guessing it was, it was probably like, you know, hitting a, hitting a baseball or, or something where you'd, you'd put your hips into it and your whole body and you would just sling that thing as far as you could away from the boat to catch the fish. And so here's Peter's like, you got you to gotta swing, you got to sling and cast, you got to throw all that anxiety, all that stress onto God. He doesn't say, just drop it at God's feet. He, he doesn't say, hey, hand it over very politely and kindly to God. No. He says, cast all your anxiety on him. Throw all of your stress onto God. I think Peter puts this in here because Peter has experienced this in his own life. If we look at Peter for a moment, Peter, Peter is a stressed out dude, right? If you know a little bit about Peter and you've read some of Peter, you know Peter was pretty stressed. In fact, he was probably hot-headed would probably be a better way to put it because his stress really built up and this is how he would express it. If we look at Peter's life, there's a couple of instances, especially towards the end of Jesus' life, we find Peter's Peter's external circumstances affect his internal responses, right? Jesus is being arrested, a very stressful time for everybody who's there at that moment. And Peter's there, and Peter gets so upset and angry and is so stressed by what's happening, he pulls out a sword and he cuts off the ear of a servant who's there. A couple things about that that intrigue me. The first one is Peter is a fisherman, why does a fisherman need a sword, okay? I think a big knife would be good, but he's got a sword, and so he takes a sword out and cuts his ear. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Peter didn't need to have a sword. Here's the reason why. When he swung, he hit the dude in the ear. He has no aim, right? And so somebody says, that, Peter, can we take that from you? Because this is a dangerous tool. But he couldn't hit the guy. Anyway, that's just things I think about when I read Scripture. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. But, uh, but that's how he expressed himself, right? External circumstances, internal response, pull out the sword and cut off a dude's ear. Second thing, a little bit later on, Peter's actually following Jesus around. Jesus has been arrested. And so he's following Jesus to see what's going on. And as he's doing this, three people come up to Peter and like, hey, don't you know that guy? Didn't you hang out with him? Weren't you, weren't you one of his followers? And every single time, Peter's like, didn't know him. Don't know what you're talking about. Get away from me. I don't know this guy. I've never been around him. What does Peter do? He lies. Why? Stress, fear, pride. Here's Peter who's stressed out in these moments, and how does he respond? He responds in ways that you and I would look at and say, hey, that's, that's not the way someone who's a follower of Jesus should respond. And so here's Peter, and just 
just a few hours time that we see the stress levels that he is under, the anxiety that's there and how he responds in that moment. The decisions he makes are decisions that he puts this, this pain on himself and for you and for me, we do the exact same thing. These stressors happen in our life and sometimes we make decisions. And we're talking about decisions in a couple of weeks, but we make decisions in our relationships, in our finances, uh, in our jobs, in the purchases that we, we make. We, we make these decisions based on the stress that's there. And as we look back on it, we, we find those are decisions we shouldn't have made. We could have made different decisions when that stress load is there. Here's Peter, who I believe is looking at his life as he's writing First Peter, and he's looking at his life as like, I understand what anxiety is like. I understand what stress feels like. I have been there. And so that's why I have learned how to cast all that anxiety, all that stress onto God. And I think Peter's life has changed because of that. Maybe our lives would change and would be different if you and I began to cast our anxieties and our stress onto God too. Notice how Peter finishes up that verse there, verse five or chapter five, verse seven. He says, "Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you." I think this is the struggle that we have with following Jesus. I think we are afraid if we become humble, who's going to take care of me? If I actually put my trust in God and I let go of the pride that I have, is God really going to take care of the needs in, in my life? And Jesus says, what does Jesus say? Back in Matthew, he says, focus on, on God, focus on me, and God will take care of your needs. Here, here's Peter who's saying the same thing. He's like, hey, humble yourselves, follow Jesus, let go of your pride, throw all that stress, all that anxiety onto God, and here's the deal. God will take care of you. Why? Because God cares for you. See, when I think about stress, stress is partly a mind game, but I think stress is more than that. I think stress is a, is a trust thing. Do we trust in God or do we trust in ourselves? Are, are we willing to humble ourselves or do we want to hold on to pride? Again, it goes back to that definition. Stress is an internal response to external circumstances. And so how do you and I deal with stress? Maybe a better question to ask is how do I hack stress? I want to give us five steps that we can take to hack stress this morning. And I'm going to describe it and talk about it a little bit here. But um, five steps that we can take. In fact, I'm going to give us a 21-day challenge, okay? For the next 21 days, I'm going to invite you to join the staff because our staff is going to be doing this over the next 21 days to do these five things every single day, okay? 21 days, five things. It'll take you 23 minutes a day to do these, all right? And uh, we've got these little booklets to kind of walk you through that. It's got nice little check marks there. You can do all your writing here, but, but I'll, I'll explain these two. Here, here's the first one. Here, here's what these, these challenges are. Here's how we can hack stress. The very first one, express gratitude. Take two minutes every single day just to express gratitude. What does that look like? That means you write down three new things every day that you are grateful for. Three new things you are grateful for. <clears throat> for instance, um, if you wrote down, I love my cat. That's not even true. Nobody believes that, okay? So you can't write that down. Um, you, you could write down, 
I love my cat when my cat leaves hairballs all over the house, okay? That's, that's a gratitude. That's a thankful thing you can write down. Nobody really likes that either, but some of you are cat lovers. I don't know why, but you are. Um, this is what we're talking about. It's got to be very specific. Write down three things every day that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for. You cannot, over 21 days, repeat the same thing one time. That's hard. But it's actually not as hard if we begin to change the way that we see things and we're not focused on 77% of negativity in our lives. Express gratitude. Here's the second thing. Second step to hack stress. Journal. For two minutes a day, journal. And here's what you write. You write about one positive experience that you've had in the last 24 hours. And some of you are like, I, my life's terrible. I never have anything great happen to me. I, I, again, it's, it's, you've got 23% of your brain that's got some positivity in there, okay? Go find it. I don't know where it may be. Maybe real deep. Go find it. Pull it out. And write down one positive experience that you have had over the past 24 hours. And may, maybe you just grab the book of Proverbs and you read a verse. You're like, okay, I'm going to use that. Maybe that's what you journal. But, but journal, two minutes a day. Third thing, exercise. 15 minutes a day. And you're like, that's my kind of exercise right there. I've been waiting for somebody to tell me that. Exercise for 15 minutes a day. Some of you are like, man, I do that in my sleep. Great, wonderful. Some of you are like, I've never exercised 15 minutes in my life. Great, wonderful. Start doing it, okay? 15 minutes a day, just, just exercise. That could be doing air squats, jumping jacks, jump rope. Uh, maybe it's, it's burpees. I, I don't care. Walk. Walk to the mailbox back and forth for 15 minutes. Walk around during lunchtime. Whatever it may be, just, just do that. Here's what they find. Research says that if you spend 21 days exercising for 15 minutes a day, it's like taking antidepressants for six months. Just take the time to exercise. 15 minutes a day. It's good for you. Here's the fourth thing. Pray. Spend two minutes a day in prayer, and this means being quiet, being still. Not type it on your computer, put your phone away, all those kind of distractions. Tell your kids to leave you alone. Lock yourself in the bathroom, whatever it takes. Just, just, just pray for two minutes. Some of us are like, man, I do that all the time. It's wonderful. Keep doing it. Others of us are like, I've never prayed before. Here's how you do it. You just talk to God. Hey, hey God, never done this before. What's up? Hey, uh, how things going up there in heaven? You know, what's any good news? And I mean, that's what prayer is. It's talking to God. Just share with God what's on your mind, some thoughts. Do it for two minutes every single day. Pray. Here, here's the fifth thing. Show kindness. So for two minutes a day, show kindness. Here's what this looks like. That means every single day, especially in the morning, you text or you email one person to encourage them. You, you send out something to them just to say, hey, Man, I, I love the way that you do X, Y, Z. I'm appreciative of you because of this. Or man, I just want to encourage you right now. Text or email one person every single day. Take up to two minutes and do that. You're going to find your relationships are changed. Find that one person you don't really like, you work with. Because this is 21 different people, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you do need this sermon today. Uh, so... So we talked about bad blood at the end of last year. Um, so that means like 20 people you got to come up with you don't really have a good relationship with, okay? But uh, you, you got you to express gratitude. And maybe it's that person at work. You just got to say, this is going to be really hard, but I, I'm going to do this. I promise you things will change. So here's the deal. I want you to take those five things. Our staff is doing this starting tomorrow. I want you to take those five things, 23 minutes. You don't have to do it all at the same time. 23 minutes is what it would take you during the day to do this. 23 minutes, do this. Here's what I promise. You will become a different person. Your negative thoughts, our negative thoughts, that 77%, it, it will change. It'll go down. Your relationships will become stronger. And, and here's what I know is going to happen. More of us will start taking bigger and better steps towards 
Jesus. If we just begin to kind of change who we are, your stress levels will go down. And here's why I'm telling you this. This is not something I came up with this week, okay? This is something that actually a Harvard researcher came up with, uh, Sean Aker. Um, he did research for companies who said, our people are just so negative, they're stressed out. What's going on here? And this is what they found. They found that if people do these five things every single day for 21 days, it totally changes them. They become better workers, better employees, better bosses. It changes their personal lives. It changes their relationships. But, but here's the crazy part of this. As I was looking over this and, and, and using this, here's what's so funny to me. The, the, the science world would say, look what the science world's coming up with. And, and I look at these like, I'm pretty sure they're biblical. In fact, let me throw out these verses um, that connect to each one. The first one, express gratitude, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Interesting there, right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, present your request to God. Second one here, journaling, Psalm 119, 15. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. That's one of those things we talk about when it comes to journaling, reading scripture and reflecting on what we've read. Number three, exercise, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We, We understand the importance of taking care of this temple. The fourth one, uh, we said prayer. They actually call it meditation, which totally makes sense, but meditation is definitely prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop praying. Show kindness, Mark 10, 42. Jesus says, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. That's not being humble, by the way. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, these are all biblical. <laughs> I mean, sure, the science world said, hey, this is, looks good. And we look in Scripture and we're like, hey, <laughs> this has been something that's been talked about for thousands of years. If we want to live a less stressed out life then we can put these actions into to practice or or we can just keep living the same life we're living or or more importantly we can we can actually put our trust in God if we go back to what Peter wrote in 5 6 he said humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time if we cast our stress if we cast our anxiety on God If we put our trust in God, God will take care of us. God will take care of the needs that we have in God's time. But you will be changed and you will be different. It means starting with humility. It means casting those anxieties and that stress on God. And God promises to take care of us. But again, it comes down to trust. Are we more trusting in ourselves Or do we truly trust in Jesus? You want to hack stress? Trust in God and let God lead you. And you'll begin to see that stress begin to go away slowly, but it will. And so I invite you to take this challenge with us and see where God leads us. We've got these booklets as you walk out uh, over here in the corner. So we hope you'll grab some of those and do this with us as a staff as we put our trust in God, as God helps us take these next steps towards Jesus.
as we hack stress. We come to this time in our service where we take communion as a, a church community. And I want, I want to go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Here Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That night that we just read about when it comes to Peter and the things that happened there with Jesus and with the servant and, and the other people there, um, that was the most stressful moment of Jesus' life because Jesus knows exactly what's coming up. In fact, Scripture says that his sweat was like, like blood. And, and Jesus could have moved on. Jesus could have done something different. Jesus could have said, I'm not going to do this, but what does he do? Jesus follows through. He follows through. He allows himself to be arrested. He allows himself to be crucified. And then God brought him back to life. Which for us, when it comes to stress, maybe that gives us a little hope. And maybe this morning as we take the bread, as we take the juice, we can be reminded that we can put our trust in God. God loved us enough to send his son to die for us, to come back to life, to bring him back to life, to give us hope to de-stress us in our lives, to take care of us. And we get to celebrate that right now. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to sing together. And as you feel led in your rows, you can come to the front or to the back. You can grab the bread and the juice. You can take it back to your seats. If you came prepared to give, you fill out a connection card, you can put that in the offering baskets. Our prayer team is going to be in the back. If you just, just want to have some prayer, go back there and let them pray over you today. Um, but as we do this, we're going to sing together with our band and, and just let God speak to us this moment. Let's sing, let's commune together now.